Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. I am so excited to be releasing another episode of this podcast, especially after the one that I released on Joni Mitchell that got such an amazing response. I'm really excited to keep moving forward with this podcast. This podcast started because I am a musician and I was doing some shows and would have these really wonderful conversations with fellow musicians backstage. And I would think, I feel like there is an audience for um, these types of conversations. These are really great conversations that the public, you know, the audience never gets to hear because these happen backstage and then the person goes and performs and doesn't repeat what they just said. But it's like the things that are actually going on in, in a musician's life. So it started out as kind of a musician's podcast. And then I expanded it to other forms of artistry. And, you know, I think at this point, I'm just sort of considering anybody who creates their life to be an artist and therefore in need of inspiration or has access to inspiration. And yeah, so this this became a lot more uh, general in terms of what artist means. But I still I, I think most of the guests still on my podcast are probably musicians and I'm a musician or I'm a singer songwriter and yeah I was I, the reason I, I I just caught myself actually is that my my friend recently described to me what she believed the difference between a musician and a singer was and it's not that one is better than the other but um, I don't perhaps have the uh, what should we say the discipline of somebody who would call themselves a musician I show up and I sing <laughs> And I write music when I feel like it. Um, and, and that's worked really well for me. I really love that. Uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. But, you know, her, for example, the, the my friend who was describing this to me, she was talking about how her boyfriend practices uh, something like 6 to 12 hours a day on his drums. Um, so that, that she considers musician and she considers herself singer. So to kind of chew on that one you can tell me what you think about that whether all people who do music are musicians or whether it's a little bit more uh, specialized when you use that term so in this episode what i really would like to talk about are the the various performances that i have seen this summer and how they have informed what i believe is a theory on everyone having a different space in their field of artistry so more specifically when when i was a child um i would get asked to sing a lot i had you know a pretty voice and my parents friends knew about it and my friends didn't generally tend to care about it but adults seemed to care um, about it quite a bit. And so they would ask me to sing, you know, I'd be like, Oh, Porter, you have a nice voice. Why don't you sing us something? And that was the, I really didn't like that. It was, it was really, it was like, um, kind of gross. Like I, I felt like, like I was a, I don't know, like a party favor or something. I, I really didn't like being asked to sing. Now I did like putting on performances for people when I decided that that's what I was going to do, but I really didn't like being asked to sing on demand. And uh, I still don't actually. So, um, so I, I developed this 
this idea in my mind that the best way for me to do music was going to be recording it as opposed to performing it. And to this day, that is something that sticks with me and I have gravitated towards other people who have kind of uh, done this. Like my mom always talks about how Enya, you know, very rarely performs live. Most of her musical success is due to recordings. Um, she has this uh, opera um, performer called Leslie Garrett that she listens to, who I guess also was more of a studio musician. Um, I can't think of any more off the top of my head. Maybe you can, maybe you can give me some more, but the, and actually, um, I don't think Kate Bush has performed all that much. She's a, we're, we're actually working on a cover of her running up that hill right now. And I think I remember seeing that she doesn't, uh, now definitely doesn't do many performances, but didn't really do many performances in her, in her heyday either. And I think that that's, that's really interesting to me that there are musicians who go more the recording route and then far more, it feels like far more of them go the touring route because ultimately that's probably a better promotional tool than, you know, simply releasing press releases and putting music onto the radio. I think that um, concerts must have like a huge promotional benefit for most bands, although I don't think that from what I've read, it doesn't sound like concerts make people money necessarily. Uh, they might make a little bit for merchandise, but like the, you know, offsetting the, the price of paying everybody their salaries and renting the venues and all the, you know, crew and um, equipment needed, uh, fuel, travel, you know, all that. Um, I don't believe that many bands are profiting from their touring but as a promotional tool, they are profiting, right? Or they wouldn't do it, I guess. Uh, although probably some bands are doing it just because they think they should, um, if hopefully they're getting good guidance and they're doing it because it actually does have some benefit for them. So anyway, <laughs> I, I decided pretty early on that I loved recording more than I loved performing and that has actually worked out really well for me too. I have this one song that I recorded when I was um, recording under Sirgan Kaur. It's from this album called The Music Within and it's a song called Bliss, parentheses, I am the light of my soul. And it continues to get thousands and millions and whatevers of plays a month and continues to send me a check in the mail every every month, much to the light of me and my musical partner who no longer makes music. Um, or at least not professionally. So that's that's kind of like um, it's kind of one of one of those wonderful things that just sort of um, works out really well, right? So it generates, you know, a not a not enough for me to you know just hang up my my hat and say okay I did it, but you know enough that um, that I'm I'm fairly fairly solid in my um, point that, you know, being a recording artist is just fine. And not that I haven't done any touring or live performance because I have, but I have two small children and I use them as an excuse. <laughs> I was about to say I have two small children so I can't tour. No, that's not true at all. I totally could. I just don't want to. 
Um, I love traveling so much. I want to do it for fun. I don't want to do it for work. So, um, and I love recording. I just love, love, love recording. So I didn't feel, I have to say though, like the reason I'm talking about this is that I did not feel so secure in this. And maybe this is something that's going to resonate with you because I feel like we know what we want a lot of the time, but it feels kind of inconvenient to express it. So, and also like, you know, maybe you're not feeling so confident about your choice that is best for you, but maybe you feel like other people won't understand. I think that that's something that I was thinking a lot about this, uh, this summer. So it was interesting because I ended up going to, let's see, so far I've been to three live performances, which is a lot compared to the last two years. I won't, don't have to explain why. Um, we went to, uh, oh, we went to Vegas and we saw Eliza Schlesinger, who was great. And we saw, oh, the Cirque du Soleil, um, performance that takes place mostly in water, which was fantastic. Gosh, I love Cirque du Soleil. And then the last thing that we saw was, um, Jason Mraz. And then I, I went to the Newport Folk Festival. So I've been to like four total live performances. One of them was a festival. So maybe it counts for more than one, but what I got from all of these, which I thought was, was nice. And also so validating was just, I love watching. I love watching live performances. I love it. I love it. I love it. I think it's so inspiring. I love seeing people in their element, but I also recognized that that was their element. That was where they thrived and it was not where I thrive. And not once while I was watching those live performances, did I think, man, I wish I could be up there. I was thinking, I mean, if anything, I was thinking like, um, I still have this dream that I could record something for Cirque du Soleil, but it would be a recording. I would want to, or write a song, you know, um, I would not want to show up every night for a performance. Like that just doesn't sound fun to me at all. And not that it's not a fun thing objectively, it's just not for me. So that's what I'm talking about. Kind of, you know, I think as an artist, you have to understand where your places, what you love to do. What is the sense? I mean, the reason we're doing things that are artistic, right, is because we want to follow what, what we love to do. But if we're doing something that we don't love to do within the field of what we love to do, then I don't know, like, is that better than just doing something really practical? Um, so anyway, so for I'm hoping for the people who were on stage, like this was, you know, this was what they wanted to be doing. This was a great break for them. Like that's, that's so fantastic. And I felt with so many of the performance that I saw that that was the case. Although I will talk about Eliza Schlesinger because this was really, this was really interesting to me. I, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a highly sensitive person, so I can, um, I feel for people when I see them. My partner got us these really great tickets. He got us VIP tickets. So we were going to be able to go after the performance and do a little meet and greet with Eliza. And we decided not to, we both decided not to do it because based on what she was talking about in her standup, we both felt kind of badly for taking up more of her time. She just had a baby she was expressing like, but in a comedic way, but you could tell that like when it wasn't funny for people on stage, it was like 
really kind of sad for her in real life um, that she she just doesn't have a lot of you know time to kind of be with her she she has prioritized basically the live you know the live shows and she's doing such an amazing job I mean I think I just saw that she's the world's oh hold on I'm botching up this fact this is me trying to do facts I'll try to pull this up um, but it's like she's she's the highest grossing female comedian now something like that anyway she's reached some sort of big um big point in her career which is amazing i i watched her for the first time on a mayan bialik um breakdown podcast and that was the first time i became familiar with her and then i watched a bunch of her specials and i thought well she was hilarious so that's uh that's when my partner got um the tickets for us because he knows that i really love her but anyway, she was, you know, she had this one bit that was really funny about how right after she had the baby, her husband took her on a, or well, she took her husband, I guess, because that's kind of financially how it works in their house, on a, a baby moon, like basically a little, which is weird because I, I felt like baby moons is when you take your baby on a little vacation to all together. But anyway, um, they went without the baby to, to Europe, to Italy. I was thinking, oh my God, you poor thing. And she was just talking about how awful of a time she was having because she had just given birth. Her hormones were all off. You know, I, I don't know, maybe she didn't mention this, but maybe she's like, you know, having to pump. Um, and it's like, why? Like, I, it made me sad. It made me sad for, um, it made me sad for the the lack of understanding of the rite of passage of motherhood, honestly. And I know that I, I know that like I don't want to like kind of unilaterally just say like everybody should be doing parenthood this way. That's not the point at all. But it was obvious that she was really sad about that decision. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, you just had a baby. It's really hard to leave your baby after you just had it. There's like biological reasons for that. It's not like a, you know, it's not like you're too clingy. Like there's, there's like biological reasons for why women feel like they need to be around their newborns. Um, and you know, she's like, it was really funny. I mean, she, she, she had this one joke about a, a romper and how like, you know, rompers are <laughs> you're either, it's either going to come way down way too low or come up way too much. And it's because men want, you know, women to look like their babies. And it, it was really funny. She's really funny, but we, but I could just tell it was like, oh, she's really exhausted. This, this poor woman who like won't give herself a break. So um, why do I bring this up? Well, I, I recognize that she either loves doing the performance or she thinks that that's the way for her to get what she wants ultimately, which is, you know, a lot of, a lot of fame and notoriety, which is, which is ultimately great. I don't think that anybody should have to, if that's what you want, then that's definitely what you should go after. But also recognizing like if you're feeling like shit about your, you know, your decisions and you're, you're having this crappy holiday because you decided to leave your baby too soon, then maybe, you know, maybe you need to reorganize how you're doing things. I saw this really wonderful, um, that's my advice for Eliza, <laughs> that she did not ask for. Sorry about that, Eliza. Um, but I, I watched this, uh, this, um, 
documentary on pink. Have you seen this documentary? I think it's on Prime. It's really beautiful. Uh, I, I love the way she does touring. Like she um, is like Porter's stamp of approval on people's tourings. Um, like I haven't, like I should have, but anyway, I, I watched this, uh, this movie about her and she, she does all these really cool acrobatics, which I had no idea about because I've never seen her live and I've never really been that into her music, but I, I just thought the documentary was, was really awesome. She brings her kids along with her, you know, and she doesn't take a nanny because she wants to make sure that every moment she's not doing her job, she's actually with them and they participate in her rehearsals and they go on trips together. I think they do kind of more, a more um, leisurely touring schedule where they actually have like days off and she gives her performers that who have been with her for years and years and years uh, downtime with them. Um, I, I was really inspired by that. Still not interested in, you know, in doing it for myself, but I thought that I thought that if you're going to do that and have a family, like that's how, that's how I would do that. Um, 100% because I'm also, you know, I, I homeschool my kids. It's hard for me to imagine not being around my kids for months at a time. They already, you know, I'm also divorced. So they, they go with their dad for like a month at a time so much sometimes, but, um, that feels different to me because they're with, uh, well, it's not such an extended period of time for that's the, the main thing. But anyway, uh, so Eliza, we went to go see Eliza. That was fantastic. And then we went to go see O, which uh, I was, I mean, I expected it to be fantastic because I've been uh, going to Cirque du Soleil since they came to Santa Monica in the 80s. Um, and I think we saw saltimbanco we then we definitely um, the one that i remembered the most was alegria uh and i that just created a lifelong love for me of uh, cirque du soleil i just love their music and so yeah we that was really just gorgeous and also kind of funny you know the clowns are really funny and uh again i i know that they've had sort of some that they don't necessarily treat their, I hope this is different now, but I know I had heard that they don't treat their uh, performers up to, you know, the standards that they should. So hopefully that's changing, but I have always really loved that they don't use animals as part of their cir circus, that they rely uh, completely on humans. Cause I really don't love watching, you know, uh, captured animals trained to perform for people it's very icky feeling to me um so yeah and then when we came back to the seattle area jason mraz was in town and my partner uh surprised me with a uh, with tickets for that that was really cool because it was in a vineyard and uh it was like an outdoor, you know, thing. And for the Seattle area, it wasn't uh, overcast or raining, which was awesome. But that was, that was such an incredible, I've seen him once before, but this was, uh, this was when he, he's now touring with Raining Jane, which uh, it's, it's like such a perfect, such a perfect combo. And I think he's such a great example of somebody that obviously really loves live performing. Um, I, I got to actually see him once. It was so special in a, uh, 
like a little club in Venice. And uh, my friend at the time, her boyfriend was doing some recording with him. He was an engineer. And so he knew about this like little pop-up show that went on and um, Brett Denon was there, but I don't think he performed. I think he was just in the audience. That was pretty cool though. I love Brett Denon. Um, and yeah, and it was just like, I don't know, like less than a hundred people in this tiny room in Venice. And he was there with Mona, who's the percussionist from Raining Jane. And Mona was also there at the first concert that I saw him. Oh, no, that was the second one. That was after this. That was like a major concert that I went to in Phoenix. So I've never seen him without her. Um, yeah, that was, that was, it was such a cute, um, a cute little pop-up thing. But anyway, he obviously loves performing live and they all seem like they're just like loving performing live. And I, I love seeing people do what they love. And I think my point here is, is that no matter what we love, that's what we should do. It shouldn't be what we should love. It should always be what we love, especially if our purpose is to do something that we love. So if you're an artist, you know, and like, like myself, I just want to validate how you feel about what you do and the way that you do what you do should be the what you love to do right i'm thinking about to like a, a painter that i that i know and listening to him his kind of musings on facebook um there's times when he's painting because he's trying to make something that he thinks will sell and ironically that never tends to go as well as when he just makes something that he loves and uh, i think as you know i think that artists have different ways of handling this like I've um there's some actresses that I admire that will do you know like the the indie movie that doesn't make them a lot of money and then they'll do the blockbuster um so that they're doing they're doing what they love and also being able to provide for themselves and I think that you know that can be a really nice combo too so there's lots of ways to do it but I think no matter what we do we have to we have to keep what we love alive or else, you know, why, what's the point, right? So, all right. Well, this is a short podcast for this week. My phone is about to die and <laughs> I don't have a guest this week. Uh, I will um, see you in the next podcast. I release these on Fridays. All right. Bye.